0: Yeah, we participate in something that we don't carry and how to live lightly, graciously, recognizing that in the midst of it all, the living triune God of grace has got it and will be all he is to the world.
1: Hello, friends. It's Jaden. Thanks for tuning in to this week's conversation on the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. Every year, we try to get Daryl Johnson on the podcast at least once. I think he holds the record for the most interviews here, and we have the joy of hearing from him again today. If you don't know Daryl, he has been preaching and pastoring for over 50 years. His journey of ministry has taken him all over the world, including countries like the Philippines, the United States, and of course here in Canada. He is currently serving as a part of the teaching and pastoral team at the Way Church in Vancouver, BC, and is the author of a number of brilliant books, including Discipleship on the Edge, Ephesians, The Wonder and Walk of Being Alive in Christ, and his newest book available for order now, That You May Live, How the Ten Commandments Lead to Human Freedom. In Jason's time with Daryl, the two of them moved through quite a bit, including themes like the new and not so new questions that many pastors are asking today, going the distance in ministry and marriage, the art of preparing and preaching a sermon and the number one job every preacher must give themselves to, and to close the Ten Commandments and how they profoundly and prophetically speak to our cultural moment. Okay. Okay. With all that said, I'll hand it off to our friends at World Vision to share about the incredible work they're doing in global relief, development, and advocacy. Then we'll go right in with Jason and Daryl.
2: You might know World Vision for their work in child sponsorship. But did you know that they are currently serving in 100 countries and reaching over 6.6 million people in the world's most dangerous and fragile regions? World Vision for more than 70 years has embraced the vision to take action for every child. Most recently, their workers on the ground in Turkey and Syria, who have been there since 2011, have been responding to what's been the strongest earthquake in that region in over a century. They're distributing heating and food supplies to shelters alongside tents, mattresses, tarps, heaters, and ready-to-eat food. Last year, they responded to the Ukraine crisis as well and continue to serve over 650,000 people and 250,000 children impacted by the war there. And here's why this matters and why our team at CCLN loves the work of organizations like World Vision. We want churches in Canada to be connected to the needs of people around our world. And we believe your church, through a partnership with World Vision, can be meaningfully engaged in the work of the global church to serve children and vulnerable people. So we want to connect you to Chris from the World Vision team. Chris is the National Manager for Church Engagement and would love to grab virtual coffee with you. You can get in touch with him using the link in our episode description or by visiting worldvision.ca slash churches to connect with your local World Vision Church advisor in person. If your church wants to feel prepared when crises happen, we know the team at World Vision is one of the best partners to have for your church. So please reach out to our friend Chris to learn more.
3: Well, Daryl, it's good to be together. It's been a while since we, you and I have hung out recently, like like 10 minutes ago. Yes. But, and lots of times since, but this is a, at least a year since you've been on the CCLN Podcast. Wow. So welcome back. Thank you. Tell it's me about all, the last year. It's
0: always good to be with you,
3: <laughs> always. Tell me about, t- for those listening, that what, what's been meaningful since we last chatted on this
0: podcast? Well, I would think that the most meaningful thing is the amount of time I've had with grandkids. Oh, amazing. And our summer was just packed. We yeah. just, we thought we had it kind of planned out and then all to discover, oh, we don't have babysitting. Can you take the kids for a week? That sort of thing. <laughs> but I've been able to have really rich conversations about the Lord with my grandkids. Uh, such I mean, a gift. I'm a happy camper.
3: Such a gift.
0: And there's a bit of a milestone in Sharon's life. Uh, very good. That's right. Sharon retired after uh, 18 years of running the daycare for 10th Avenue Church. Wow. And we've had a number of celebrations. Yes, she did an amazing job with that daycare, mm. and leaves a great legacy. Mm. And uh, I'm just so proud of her. The way she passed the baton to the new director, mm. and now she's finding her way. There's plenty to do yep. with grandkids, with her mother, and of course, I'm a handful. Yeah, you know, she's got to work with that. She's got to look after you, <laughs> keep you in line. Um, what does that, what
3: what does that mean for you as you think about a new chapter? I mean. How long have you been married now? We're coming up 52, fifty-two. years. Coming to fifty-two. Congratulations! That's an amazing thing. And um, there's obviously very there's chapters, there's seasons in marriage. Yes. This is in some ways, you know, a new chapter. What what's sort of on your heart as you think about this chapter for your guys's marriage together and home together and ministry together?
0: Oh, very good. Well, we'd like to do more together. Hmm. So she was able to go with me on a trip to Nashville. And we'll be going with me on a trip to uh, Nova Scotia. And you and I were talking about different retreats. Yes. and I'm going to see if she can come and be part of that. I think people she, are just trying to get
3: Sharon out, and so they invite you. Uh, very They're good. just trying to get Sharon.
0: I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah, I could. I could see who the real, um, <laughs> the real star is. The real
3: pole, The real attraction.
0: Well, I I just see her blossoming, mm. and the gifts that I've always seen in her that she's not going now be able to express yeah. more widely yeah. than with children that's not a minimum i'm not minimize that at all but uh, her administrative skills her capacity to listen she's mm. very wise um I, I think she would be an outstanding spiritual director mm. so we'll find our way on that yeah. but see i we've we moved to this uh, smaller condo i think you know about where uh independent seniors living yeah uh, it virtually i've been the one living in that Mm. Um, house yes, uh, most of the day. So I, it's like I'm welcoming her back into my yes. <laughs> home. So learning how to adjust to the fact that I had all these hours of quiet and could yeah. move from room to room and now I, I share it again. Yes, It almost feels like at the beginning of marriage where you have to learn how to live together in the same house. Totally. It's fun. Oh,
3: what a blessing. Um, I know that I speak for a lot of people um, when I say this that one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to you and many others is because you represent um, going the distance in ministry. You know, I know you'd be the first to admit lots of mistakes, lots of trip ups, um, self doubt and all the stuff, um, but not just in ministry, but in marriage, marriage and ministry. And so I just really honor you and Sharon. Thank you. And the example of your marriage together, I look up to it I know Rachel and I do a lot and enjoy friendship with both of you, really grateful for that. Thank you, our joy. One thing I also know about you is that you spend a lot of time with pastors, um, on Zoom, on the phone, in person, uh, at least a few meetings every week, and on top of that correspondence, and that might be an understatement. Uh, And those are friendships that you've cultivated over the years, and some new friendships, young pastors who are reaching out for all sorts of reasons. And I just thought it'd be interesting just to have you reflect a little bit of like, what are the questions? What are the concerns or what are the themes that you're hearing come up the most in these conversations, if there are any themes at all that you can draw out?
0: Oh boy, that yeah, there are so many different themes and different people. It depends upon whether you're in Canada, the United States or Singapore or, yes. or UK, You know, they're gonna be different issues. Um, I, I think one of the biggest ones is what does pastoring now look like? Mm. How, how do we do this? It, and it's very different than when I started. Yeah, uh, And we could talk about that sometime. So trying to um, help carve out a new understanding of pastoring in those different contexts. Yeah. Related to that is, can I do it? Hmm. Can I really um, give myself to this? Hmm. And interesting for a number of pastors saying, you know, I have plan B in mind. Hmm. I've got another kind of business I'd like to run.
3: You feel like that's changed? Like when you were maybe in seminary or preparing or starting out in pastoral ministry, do you feel like there's that same, I don't even know if it's fair to call it hedging. I don't think that's necessarily what it is, but yeah, any reflections? Like, is that, is that something that's changed?
0: It's, I think it has changed. Mm. Yeah, the, the friends I would walk with over the years since we left seminary, I started seminary in 1969. Mm. Um, no, it was, a, it was a lifelong vocation. Mm. But that was also because it was relatively clear what the role was both Mm. in terms of relating to the church and then relating to the culture right Uh, when i started out to be a clergy person was a a a quite a distinctive role Hmm. even in the world yeah. I uh, used to get privileges when you went to the store. If you mentioned you were a pastor, you automatically get 15% off. I'm not of getting thing. any discounts no. in Vancouver. I think i I'd pay get extra actually <laughs> for being a pastor here. You probably, it just might be, <laughs> you, you guys are causing too much trouble. You gotta pay an extra 15% surcharge. Um, so, that it, so it was different. And so I don't remember, hmm. um, you now we were saying, oh man, I am so tired. How, you know, how, how can I keep going? Yeah. versus i don't know that i want to keep going Or hmm. now i hear that a little bit more is this yeah. not not the question is is this worth it but how can i do it yeah and that's a function of a lot of things mm. um a lot of it's financial in yeah. our part of the world C- for sure can, my, can i do this to my family do yeah. i need to take on a second job and if i have to take on a second job shouldn't i just do that and be yeah. a lay pastor so uh, longevity uh uh how do we preach in our Mm -hmm. time yeah and that was clear when i started out there were models of of homiletics and how you did it Mm -hmm. and and now it's it's so different and that's due to the the changes in culture yeah um how do i stay close to the lord how do i nurture that intimacy with him when i've got so much on my plate uh talking with pastors from the states which is different than canada uh there's a real apprehension about the next months as they move into the election cycle around the president i bet and in in talking with a few in the last few weeks there's actual fear hmm. um some pastors you know just having parishioners leave because they won't declare what candidate they're for right and you know i can understand if you're advocating one candidate and people go eh, no i'm, I'm out of here but they won't do either. Right. And now they're in trouble. Mm. Like, wait a minute, what's this? So, a lot of apprehension of how do I navigate this very different, complex, volatile, frightening uh, scenario that we're moving into? Mm. So, those kinds of things. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking time to reflect
3: on that. Maybe we can lean into a couple of them. All right. Um, you know, I love talking about preaching with you. Yeah. We love talking about preaching. Um, what's on your heart for preachers today, you know? Like, I don't know if it's tips or advice or just a reflection on, what do you you, think is most essential for us to be thinking about in our time as preachers?
0: Okay, well, I do have some tips. Yeah, take us and there. I wrote down some notes. Perfect. But I'll say the most essential thing would be before the tips. so I guess this is another tip, but yeah. let's make it that, is learning to trust the inherent authority slash power of the word. Hmm. Um, the word of God makes things happen. Your word, my word, makes things happen. Words make things happen. Yeah. But the word, um, the living word, always makes things happen. Hmm. And I would want to encourage every preacher, no matter w- how the sermon w- in your mind worked or didn't work, if it was grounded in, emerged from, pushed back into the word, hmm. it it bore fruit. You may not see it right then, but so so how then do we stand yes. on that? And um, I think the, the visualization helps on that. And that is that even if you've got your Text behind you on a screen, which I have no qualms about. And you've had people turn to their iPhone to look at their text. Just holding this
3: and holding it open.
0: I know that's a value for you. It's just, it does something for me. Yeah. I, I, I've, you know, reverence for this yeah. word. And I, I trust that it, it, that Jesus emerges from it mm. by just holding that as a way to say, Lord, under our breath, Lord, this is where I take my stand. Mm. And, and your word d- goes forth and it does not return empty. Um, so that confidence, that no matter what cultural context we're in, no matter what political context we're in, no matter yeah. how we're doing emotionally and physically, this bears fruit mm. somehow, somewhere in that context, even if I haven't done a good job. So that'd be the first thing. Amen, amen. Um, second, I've been thinking a lot about the verbs of um, what preaching. Do you mean by verbs? Um, so in, in the book I wrote on preaching, I'm not selling the book about well, the glory of preaching, but- Find that at amazon.ca.com. You can. You can. Google search, um, Daryl Johnson, the glory of preaching. <laughs> bless your heart. <laughs> and it's now come out in Chinese. That's very cool. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with that. Very cool. But there are different words that are used for the, uh, Proclam- for the conveying and communication of the word. You've got heralding. Yeah. Hear ye, hear ye. Kind of a John the Baptist approach. You've got evangelizing. Mm-hmm. I've got good news for you. You've got prophetic, thus says the Lord. You've got um, teaching. Mm-hmm. This is what it means. Um, you've got um, confession. I take my stand with the church on this doctrine or this moral position. Mm-hmm. And then you have Witnessing. Hmm. Which is a, a dominant word throughout the Book of Acts, and it's interesting that John, the Apostle John, in his latter years, and I'm a, I'm, I'm not in my latter years, seventy-five, but you know he's probably over eighty, comes back to this word witness. Hmm. Uh, read First John. Uh, this well at the end of John, this, his witness is true. What we've seen with our eyes, what we've heard with our ears, what we've touched with our hands, hmm. we proclaim to you. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering if that is um, going to need to be the posture mm. right now. We I don't know that in a Sunday morning you can argue for the truth. Mm. Some people are uniquely gifted that. We work with someone who is yes. really good and you're good at it. But th- this is what I've experienced. This mm. is what's been true in my life. And uh, mm. I haven't done a lot of that in my preaching in the past, but I'm thinking it's needed now. Mm. Uh, people need to hear that it worked for you. Mm. as the communicator so tell
3: me a bit more so like bridge that between you know the first point standing firmly in the word and so you know because as i hear you talk about witnessing i know that you're not talking about like a subjective opinion about things but you are talking about a subjective experience of this objective reality yes
0: yes you tease it out a bit more so you would so a sermon would embody this what i'm saying comes from This authoritative word. Yeah. You don't necessarily put it that way, but people know you're speaking that word. And so you're bearing witness to this word in that sense. But somewhere along the line, say, but I found it to be true. Yeah. Whereas once I was blind, now I see. Mm. Uh, And um, yeah, so somewhere along the way, I think people need to hear that it works.
3: Hmm.
0: And that doesn't have to take a lot part of the sermon. I think it just becomes an automatic posture. I'm going to witness to mm-hmm. the fact that this really is good news. Yeah. That he is as good as he says he is. Yeah. Uh, f- so that, that's what I'm meaning by witness. Uh, also, I guess because our culture is not going to necessarily buy into the authority of the word. Yeah, maybe
3: not on the first, N- none, first go.
0: No, yeah. but they will listen. I think people listen yeah. to someone who's authentic. Warm, engaging, yeah, and who says no? This worked; it really worked for me.
3: That's interesting. I feel like that kind of—I think about two cultural reference points that that maybe is coming out of. Like, one is obviously in in the postmodern era, which we've been living in for a while. There's a higher view on the personal experience than the meta narrative. Yeah. Um, though I do sense a deep hunger for people to find themselves in a broader story. Yes but there is sort of a, a value of individual story and experience. And then I've also understand that, particularly with Gen Z, um, the question isn't so much, is it true? Although that's still important. It, the primary question is, is it good and beautiful? Like is, because once upon a time to go after the new atheists, it was defense for the resurrection, defense, defense, defense. Is this true? Is this true? Because square up the faith, faith and science is square up. And while those questions still remain, they're not the primary. The primary is, is this good for the world? Is this beautiful? You know, and I think um, part of the job of the preacher today, I'd love to hear your reflection, is to show how beautiful Jesus is. Very good. How beautiful the kingdom of God is. And that, that
0: to me, is that witness stuff. I think, see, if you agree with this, I think that people listening to us communicate, they can see it in our eyes, mm. on our face, in the tone. Do you Whether, believe this? Or have you let it rest on your life? Yes, right. Um, and so for the communicator, for the preacher to be caught up in the wonder mm. of who Jesus is and the wonder of what He's done. Well, look at my face now. Just yeah. as I say that, um, it's that- a choice,
3: though. Hey, to like be present in the moment enough, to and and tender to what you're talking about enough to let it affect you again. Absolutely. Which is a unique task when you've you've crafted words or you've prepared yeah. the talk, but to be present to the people, present to the spirit, and slow down enough to let it. Create wonder in your heart again.
0: I wonder if that isn't a way to pray on Sunday mornings. Hmm. Lord, please um, engender the wonder even as I preach. Hmm. Um, make these wor- preach these words to me, so that I radiate the joy of knowing how beautiful you are. Hmm. Uh, I know you
3: recently got to preach to a group of pastors in Nashville. You were at Belonging Co, and they did, if I understand right, a like a pre gathering for a number of pastors. Um, can you give us a little bit of like uh, the trailer or the
0: Coles notes
3: of that message?
0: <laughs> well, I chose, and I think I told you before I went, I, I, ch- I chose to do, I felt led to do John 15, abide in me and I in you. And I uh, set that up as this is our number one job. You would think that our number one job is love or proclaim or serve, but... No, I argued, that's not our number one job Mm. because you can't do those until you do the number one job, Mm. which is abide in me and I in you. So I unpacked that. I had three questions that I I built it around, but I kept reiterating the preposition in, Mm. in, in, in. Um, Others have heard me say there, the two best words in the New Testament are Jesus and in. Mm. And um, I learned afterwards, I couldn't see everybody because it was a big... Group of people and the lights are down, you know, you know how that works. But the lights are on the speaker, and so I couldn't see everybody's faces. But I learned afterwards, and a number of people were in tears Mm. within the first minute. Wow. When all I did was kept saying, In, Mm. in, he's in you, Mm. you're in him. Wow. And it was, I could feel in the room this sense of, okay. Mission accomplished, like Mm. I sit down. But I went on for another 35 minutes. (laughs) Right, you finished the exposition. (laughs) Um, And uh, so what I thought was gonna be too simple. Yeah, I remember you said that
3: before you went, you were like, I just wonder if this is too simple. And I rebuked you and told you. No, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) Well, you did, you encouraged me. Yeah. But I was concerned that it would be written off as too pious Mm -hmm. and too simplistic in that sense. But it turned out that again, the word bore fruit, mm. the word itself. I didn't do a whole lot of fancy mm. stuff with although people said they couldn't keep up with the, the notes, but um, <laughs> I thought it was, I was afraid it would be simplistic. Yeah, I don't mind simple, Yeah, but it turned out to be deep mm. and gripping, what so a gift. I, I was really very thankful. So, so that was a clue of what people are looking for. How do I just, mm-hmm. how do I just live this simple, of the faith of the relationship with Jesus.
3: I think it's also because of,
0: I wonder, if
3: it feels like some of the secondary issues are so contentious right now Mm -hmm. that we live in it as pastors. Like we're just, um, how do I communicate it? How do I rest, I'm forced to wrestle through your own conviction with more nuance than ever. And there's an exhaustion of living in those important issues, deeply important, obviously important to culture, obviously important To our faith um but they're not the most essential things and there's just something so restful about coming back to the main things main thing because it's so exhausting trying to to weigh out all those secondary things not to say they're not important but it's
0: exhausting it's exhausting so we've got to move back to that place of refreshment Mm. so mission accomplished Mm. it worked any
3: other thoughts on preaching before we move on? To yeah, maybe a, different a couple of others, just yeah, that I've been thinking about there.
0: a lot. And I would like to even think more about it, so I'll just make it brief. I think I'd want to encourage pastors to think of their sermons in the context of the liturgy of the whole service. Hmm. So there's a tendency for the communicator to think this is isolated. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. Um, so you're working with a team uh, who are leading... Uh, D- different d- tempts on the liturgical structure, but most churches now it's a music set, yeah, and then some visiting, and then that's a sermon and a music set, yeah. So, so we're we'll looking at the music, but to realize that if those songs are chosen carefully, mm. and thankfully we have folks that are doing that for us, uh people's minds and hearts are already set to hear the word, yeah. Um, s- therefore, we I I'd, I'd like to lift off. Th- the shoulders of preachers, feeling like they've got to have a, this long introduction by way of warming people up, mm. awakening them to the truth, um, and, and connecting them to the word. That's happening in the liturgy, mm. so you can just get right to it. Mm. And um, so, I if I'm preaching somewhere, then I don't know the people. I'll, I'll f- ask for the music ahead of time. But if I don't, I'm listening really carefully mm. and watching. And I may then latch on to something we sang hmm. that will lead us to the sermon. And that's all I need hmm. to make the connection. Now, if I'm speaking at a, a non liturgical event, I might need to do some more warm up with the audience. Yeah. But you don't need to on Sunday morning. You hmm. can get to it faster than we think. So hmm. I'd want to encourage on that.
3: That's really encouraging. I, I think that's um, it works on the other end of the message as well. Like that's right. You know, there's always how do I land the plane? I think those again, obviously a deeply important question. Um, but there is something about leaning on the team, mm-hmm. trusting the spirit, mm-hmm. organizing um, the hearts and minds of others, and that's, that's, really, that's really special to hear.
0: Well, I'd I, I wanna lift that burden off. Yeah. Because uh, I, 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 I've, I've carried that burden myself, and I think the Lord is no, you don't need to in that context. It's almost like you don't have to do all of the things. No, you don't. Hmm. You've, you've been set up. Yeah. Step into the place just do their thing. Mm-hmm. It's related to the, another tip then. Um, I, I think that um, an introduction to, to a sermon in a seeker context can also be very simple. It hmm. can be something like this. Um, uh, as Christians, we gather on the Lord's day. And as Christians, we are people of the book. Mm-hmm. And each time that we gather, we open to another section of the book and it's my job to explain what we're going to read. Hmm. So this morning I'm going to invite you into page ninety-five or yeah. whatever, a section of the book called Psalms. Yeah. And there are uh, uh, there are 150 of them. And the one I want us to look at today is number ninety-two. Hmm. And I invite you to come with me into this. I don't think you have to say a whole lot more. Yeah. Because the visitor knows this is a different kind of experience. Hmm. You don't have to we don't have to apologize at all. They want to know what did I get into?
3: Hmm.
0: Well. We're people of the book, we open the book. Yeah, and then related to that, I think the tone—and we've kind of already said this—the tone and of the, of the sermon could be, "I'm going to tell you about my best friend." Mm. Now you could even say that in a in a super secret context. If you if, if if I invite you to give attention for the next x number of minutes, I'm going to tell you. Mm. About the best friend i've ever found mm. and then go cool. that's beautiful so you can see what i'm resting with. Yeah. trying to lift off the shoulders of preachers that you've got to make all that happen yeah no no we don't yeah it, it's simpler than we realized mm.
3: so are you enjoying preaching today as much as you always have
0: yes the hesitation was uh, lately the weariness has gotten yeah. to me a little bit more yeah that, probably just age or doing too much or something else. But yes. Well you, you see what happens. I even on a weary time, yeah. I get up there and if about the first page of my notes, I've got about a one minute or each page is about one minute. Yeah. By the time I'm through that man, I'm I'm cooking. You're in it. And I've yeah. Awesome. And I will sit down and trust that it's worked, but I'll sit down in the seat next to Sharon and, and I, I'll say, I, I did what I was born to do. Hmm. and I get to do it at 75. So good. I'm a very, very fortunate man.
3: So good. Um, I've got here, if you're listening, you can't see it, but you can, you can hear the pages. <laughs> um, but if you're watching on YouTube or whatever, you can see it. This is um, your newest book that you may live how the 10 commandments lead to human freedom. And uh, this just came out. And uh, as I understand it, this is based off of your journey of teaching the 10 commandments in local congregations and then taking that work over many years, refining it into something that's both a resource for preachers, but also a resource for anyone who wants to understand uh, the deeper heart or the story that the 10 commandments finds itself in, what it means for us as followers of Jesus today. And we're in the middle of preaching the 10 Commandments at our church. And so I've been reading this um, in preparation for even the the speaking I'm doing and just have so enjoyed it. And so first of all, thank you for this work. And uh, I commend it to everybody listening. Um, I'd just love to hear a little bit about your journey, Um, even this title that you may live. Tell me where that
0: came from and how that connects to the 10 Commandments. Okay. Well, first of all, I wanna thank the team at CCLN. Mm. Uh, they did a great job on this. We've kind of talked about doing this book for a while. Yeah. But then because the Way is doing a series on that, they kick started and worked all summer to get that out. And I'm very, very grateful of how hard they worked. Yeah. So I wanted to a first of of say people. thank you.
3: And Ariel Ratslav, who's been designing your books, did just an amazing job. And it's just so nice to hold something that feels beautiful. <laughs> um, there's some create symbolism in the design and it's compelling. She's amazing. Yeah, she's done a great job. So it's
0: fun to honor her and appreciate her work on that. Very good. So the title, That You May Live. That You May Live. All right, in the, in the past, I've used different titles of the potential book. Hmm. And um, Dan Rowe of our team yeah. was reading through the manuscript and he saw that in addition to Exodus 20, on um, God speaking the law, I worked with Deuteronomy where, it, the second telling of the law where Moses quotes God, I'm telling you this, that you may live, mm. that it may go well with you, that you may live. Yeah. And there's so many times in Deuteronomy when he says that. So Dan and I are talking about this and he goes, what if we call the book that you may live? Mm. So I, I give credit to Dan hey, come for on. naming that. Daniel Rowe, oh. so good. So I, yeah, I was working with uh, 10 words that make us alive. Yeah. Um, other kinds of phrases like that—they were kind of chunky—and yeah. he he says, "Let's just say that you may live," mm. and that is why God Yahweh speaks the commandments, mm. not to um, uh, stifle yeah. our life, not to box us in, not to make us feel miserable that we're not living, but here. Yeah. Here's a way to live. Now, I have had this in my files for some time because I've taught it in different places and did a class at Regent College on it. And But it turns out, and, and I've wondered whether it should have been in a book form along mm. the way. I felt like the Lord would want it someday, maybe even after I was gone. But it was because of where we are culturally mm. that I thought, you know what? This is the right moment. So all the work was for right now. Because as you know, in particular in in Canada, among younger people, people are asking for some kind of rubric, some kind of set of rules that can help me make sense of life. So I think people are more open Hmm. to receiving the fact that God has actually heard our cry and given us, I want to say blueprint, but... uh, you know, kind of the manufacturer's specifications yeah. on how the human species works. Yeah. So I'm pleased it seems to be the right time. You know, I find
3: really compelling about the themes and title is like what you mentioned, this idea that, like when we think commands, we often think control restriction, <sighs> Yeah, but it's like, I think if we could have a new Pavlovian response to the 10 commandments, it would be life, liberty, freedom. That's right. You know, and this is from the book, but um, you describe just the first thing is it's like God's covenant relationship. I'm your God who brought you out of slavery and uh, bringing them into liberation, into new life, into freedom. So all that follows is a, distri- a description of what that free life looks like. And then I love how that idea of like, think about Jesus saying, um, I've come that you may have life, that you may live fully. Yeah. And um, one thing I enjoyed hearing you teach about in the opening of the series was um, that Jesus fully embodies this picture like this is a portrait a picture that points us to Jesus
0: because it he's he's actually finally the law giver so he he is the one who is revealing himself as he speaks the commands yeah. they're not just is you know a picture of a god who's going well ah, these folks could use some rules to live by let's mm-hmm. see what should they be yeah. no they emerge out of God's character, out mm. of Jesus' character, who is the giver of the law in, in our flesh. So good. Um, who um, not only preaches this, but lives it. Mm. Uh, in fact, he can preach it because he lives it. Mm. So we, if we read the law Christologically, it's very redemptive. Mm. And that's why in the opening chapter, I argue that by the end, these are no longer commandments, they're promises. Okay, tell me more about
3: that because I, I was going to bring that up. I found that to be such a compelling thought that i think i don't want to misquote you that one day we will as followers of christ i think if i hear you right in the new heavens new earth we won't struggle to obey this we will
0: tell me more in fact even before that one day i think Mm. we'll be able to say that yeah there's there's biblical and theological reasons for saying the commands become promises Mm. the biggest one is what god speaks comes into being Mm. back to the power of the word the performative power of the word god not only speaks to inform but to perform Mm. make things happen so when he gives a commandment ultimately it's a promise it's going to be and then given his desire that you may live he is going to bring all of this into being so that we actually are alive. So one day, there will be nothing between me and God, between you and God. Can you imagine that? Mm. Be nothing between us. And you're
3: referring to the first,
0: command. No, first other, command, no gods between us before before me. There'll never, won't there be anything between us? Mm. Second command, one day, you won't need to imagine me at all. Wow because you will have come to know my own image in mm. Jesus so well. You know me, yeah. you, you, you don't have to do any imagining anymore. Mm. And imagining who God is gets us into trouble. We, can, we always imagine that out of our trauma and yeah. pain and other things. Uh, mm. One day y- you will, will not take my name in vain. I've mm. given you my name that you may call upon me and mm. you will, you'll pray your heart out. Mm. and and on and on it goes one day you will not commit adultery Mm. you will know what faithfulness is yeah you will not need to desire somebody else Mm. etc and the 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 one i love then of course the 10th one day you will not covet because you will be so satisfied Mm. in me you won't covet anything you'll just be so content that's in a relationship with me yeah isn't it yeah so that's why then i 10 commandments are still relevant for us. <laughs> well, we're, it's, just, it's really special teaching this
3: series with you and the team with Chris and Elita and Jeremy and others. And uh, I just really sense you said this, that people are longing for a pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just, just something that feels like clarity in the midst of the mud, the fogginess. And um, it's really special to watch what the spirit of God does as this is being proclaimed. You know, there's just, a, it's been really sweet. I don't know if you've just experienced it both as you've been preaching it, but also in
0: and amongst the congregation, it's just been a really special. It's very special. Yeah, you, I, you remember I did, when I started the series, it's not, I don't say this in the book, but in the in the series, I've feeling a little bit nervous about this, mm. doing this series in a, a, a context of, uh, yeah autonomy and antinomianism mm-hmm. um boy the the receptivity in the yeah. in the sanctuary is really sweet mm. do you sense that when you've preached
3: absolutely and and we still got a, a couple big hitters you know we got adultery coming up and oh. sabbath this week yeah, i was working uh, on that yesterday oh man and, i can't believe uh, <laughs> i'm gonna do adultery in our show. anyway i i think it'll but i do think it'll be the same experience yeah. you know like i think there's a hunger for truth yeah something that works something that works yeah that transcends and yeah is anchored to something beyond just our fleeting moment yeah 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 any thoughts before we move along on on preaching the 10 commandments like just as you've been you know some people i i was chatting with a pastor yesterday from alberta who's uh they're teaching the 10 commandments right now so really yeah they're one week behind us conveniently. So he says, he, <laughs> I said, are you reading Daryl's book? He said, yeah, it's helpful. Um, and, but yeah, any thoughts or reflections on, you know, on what it means
0: to preach the 10 commandments today? You want, I think we want to avoid two things. You want to avoid um, hopeless idealism on the one hand mm. and oppressive legalism on mm. the other hand. And we do that by reminding ourselves of the first line of the law, I, which you already quoted, I am Yahweh your God. The relationship's been established. Yeah, It's a done deal. Yeah, We're in covenant. Mm. So keeping this is not going to be unto establishing mm. a covenant. And I, 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 I'm the one who sets you free from the, from, from the land of bondage. I've already acted to save you. So this is not gonna be the way to get saved. Mm. This is the way to live saved. This is the way to live in a relationship with me and i think that keeps us from a hopeless idealism yeah how am i going to live up to that well i don't need to live up to that in the in that kind of earning sense yes and it's not the suppressive legalism god has not put that on our shoulders in order to get somewhere Mm. so i think that that's what i would encourage preachers keep coming back to that this is about a relationship earl earl palmer one of my mentors mm. and put it this way, oh, I think it was that must have been fifty two years ago when Sharon and I went to a conference together before we were married up in Forced Home out of Los Angeles. A relationship already established, a freedom already won. Mm. And if we can live in that space, That's then I think we can keep the law. We'll want to keep the law. Yeah. We'll be able to keep the law.
3: Do I understand right that Earl Palmer recently passed away?
0: Yes. Yeah,
3: and you shared with me um, that there, I hope this is appropriate to bring up, um, that you've experienced almost, I don't wanna put words in your mouth, but like the loneliness or just some of the sorrow I've seen a lot of your mentors, uh, fatherly, fathers in the faith, you know, pass on to glory and how that's felt for you in your age and stage.
0: Yeah. three mentors two that i actually knew in person one i did not know in person passed mm-hmm. away in this last year yeah so with your first question what what was the year about it yeah. i guess i could have started yeah. there so um, earl palmer uh who took me under wing as i was a, a young seminarian uh he was presbyterian pastor at the time he was at berkeley press and then went to seattle at the University of Presbyterian, Seattle, was pastor of Union Church of Manila years before. Before
3: you, before you pastored there. Yes, yeah. and that's
0: why I ended up there. So mm-hmm. he advocated me there. Uh, he also advocated me to come to Regent. So he's wow. very direct role in my life in terms of ah. movements. But um, he's the one that gave me a love for expository preaching. Mm just a winsome expositor. And you walk away understanding the text. You understand why he quoted C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia out of that particular text. Yeah, It wasn't just an add-on. So um, it was a great encourager. Mm. And then uh, Daniel Fuller, the son of Charles Fuller, founder of Fuller Seminary, passed away just a few months ago. And he's the one who taught me how to read the Bible. Mm. Um, I owe to him uh, my ability to read the texts clearly. Uh, he just drove into us. Um, that I, I, I can feel him on, on my ch- shoulder Saturday night when I go to bed. Do you have the main point of the text? Mm. And can you account <laughs> for everything else in the text in light of that main point? And um, just deeply rooted that in us with all of his gentleness. Mm. So, yeah, um, with both of those guys, I've, I lost my father years ago. Um, I felt the same level of sorrow. Losing the joy that they're both with the Lord, about the same age too. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I felt that. And then Tim Keller. Yeah. I didn't. I never got to meet him. We went to New York one time and hoped to do so. But listening to his co- podcast, listening to his sermon, reading his books, um, just a, a, such help understanding where we are culturally. Mm. But um, the the two I knew mm. that I. I miss. It's made me think of them. It um, uh, made me think of a lot of things, but <laughs> I'll leave it at that.
3: Well, you're that um, role for a lot of people, you know. For, for a lot of people, at a mentor from a distance, uh, to the degree that you can be from a distance. But as you mentioned with Tim Keller, like deeply impactful to so many. A lot yeah. of people listening right now, and then a lot of people up close, more than, more than I think anyone knows, really. Yeah. And I'm just grateful for your willingness to give away your life and um provide covering for some of us younger trying to take a swing at this stuff <laughs> very, grateful. very you're, grateful you're
0: more than trying to take a swing you swing very well <laughs> you hit home runs regularly
3: well it's a real joy to take time to chat today about the 10 commandments about preaching about pastoring um come again to the podcast. Okay. I'll just bring a recording along for the rest of, the next time we go for a walk or something, and we'll just see if it makes for a podcast. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> see how it goes. Oh. Um, maybe one thing as we end, recently when we we're hanging out, um, you mentioned Psalm, Psalm 46, and uh, what it was doing on your heart. Oh, yeah. cease striving, know that I'm God. And uh, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but I know that that was, Working on your heart and felt like something that God was, you know, breathing on in a fresh way in you and for others. And just maybe you can, maybe as whether it's like a benediction or a prayer or just a last reflection, we can end there.
0: Okay. Well, Psalm 46 uh, begins with, Do not fear, though everything around you should change. And that's what we're going through. Yeah. And we could do a whole podcast on that. We need Mark Sayers to really make he'd this help, clear for us. He'd help know just how much has changed. Yeah, how much is changed. How complex it really it's is. It's just all changing all around us. Yeah. Um, and on that note, I would say one of the th- things I want to say about the present context that I think can be helpful is we are back to the place where the first preachers of the gospel were living. Mm. They had no political support and they had, had no cultural support hmm. the culture did not endorse the agenda and the political realm it did not either well the political realm was starting to get threatened with this whole thing mm-hmm. of jesus as king um so we're back to that context hmm. but anyway right now we're still going through this huge change therefore do not fear why uh, there's a river that runs through the city of god it and it, it doesn't dry, doesn't um run dry uh, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. And then that line in verse 10, cease striving, know that I am God. And then this is the line that we talked about. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Hmm. And the, the, what, what grips me about that is he is in charge of his own glory. Hmm. He's the one that is going to make sure that people know him and know who he is and we get to participate in that it, but it's not on our shoulders mm. i don't have to make it happen
3: it's a good word so
0: i guess we could translate to hebrew chill out <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the technical hebrew <laughs> i don't think so but uh, let go yeah works yeah. yeah so um i would want for all who are listening um, to realize that yeah, we participate in something that we don't carry mm-hmm. and how to live lightly, yeah. um, graciously, recognizing that in the midst of it all, the living triune God of grace has got it mm-hmm. and, and will be all he is to the world. Amen.
1: Daryl, it is always a privilege to hear from you on the podcast. Thanks for all you're doing to invest in pastors here in Canada and all over the world. If you're looking to order Daryl's newest book on the Ten Commandments, That You May Live, just head to daryljohnson.ca books to get your own copy. Now, before we say goodbye, I want to say a special thank you to Nick Corbin for arranging and editing this interview, Jason for facilitating the conversation, and to Rachel Sousa and Will Lee for adding your voice and touch to this episode. The Canadian Church Leaders Podcast is one amongst a few things that we do at CCLN to strengthen pastors in Canada. These conversations, along with our gatherings, cohorts, and resources, are made possible by a generous community that believes that much can change in a church and in a place when the pastor gets healthier. If this mission of strengthening pastors is something that you feel your heart being moved to, we want to invite you to join our giving community at ccln.ca slash give, where you can make a one-time or regular donation. And for pastors who have already found our work at CCLN to be helpful, we want to invite you and your church to partner with us. You can find out more about that at ccln.ca slash church Thanks for considering becoming a part of this community that's lifting up pastors across our nation. Well, that's it from me today. In light of this conversation with Daryl, we hope that you're able to more confidently stand on the truth and power of God's word in this time. Bye for now.